Welcome to No Bucks Given, the podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. I have a really exciting topic to talk about today, which is standing wraps. And that might not sound exciting just from the outside, but I promise you that this episode is probably going to teach you a lot because as I started to dive into the research on it, I definitely learned a lot and I'm a lifelong equestrian with a specialty in performance horses. I have joining me for the pod today, my executive podcast producer, Allie, who is also a recent equestrian. Allie, can you tell me a little bit about why we're having you on the pod today? Thanks for having me in front of the cameras instead of behind. Uh, This is a new thing for me, but I'm really excited to be here and talk a little bit more about these scientific facts around equestrianship. I guess. <laughs> Equestrian um, Equestrianship. <laughs> As a, like, I just recently got into riding during the pandemic and then acquired three horses in the span of nine months, as you do. So I'm desperately looking for resources, which is how I found you in the first place. So I'm happy to be a little bit of a sounding board and learn about these topics alongside the audience. Awesome. So. I'm really appreciative of your perspective because I've been involved with horses since I was around six. I've been a horse owner since I was mm, 15, I believe. So Amazing. it's definitely, you know, I try my best to put myself in the shoes of my audience who maybe has a little bit less experience or even maybe someone who doesn't have less experience but isn't weirdly obsessed with horses, anatomy, and performance and physiology the way I am. Um, So I'm really excited to have you like ask me questions as much as I ask you questions throughout this podcast. And we kind of dive into all the common myths surrounding wrapping horses. Yeah, absolutely. This is something we've talked about off camera that I'm very insecure about as a, as a new horse owner, like having to wrap and worrying about wrapping incorrectly and having my horse's leg fall off or something (laughs) terrible. So excited to chat about it. And I think that you're, um, I think that your experience is not unique that way. Wrapping well is very hard, like unfortunately most things when it comes to horses and horse care. Wrapping is one of those skills that's kind of like to me lunging um, or even to some people flat work. You know, it's one of those like necessary skills that maybe isn't super sexy to learn, but it requires um, practice and it requires another set of educated eyes on you. So, you know, I personally learned to rap really well through Pony Club and through having older equestrians who had me rap and rewrap and rewrap and criticized my rapping and then had me rewrap again um, for years. And you know, really, I'm not a very fast learner. So rapping is not that hard. I don't want to like overstate it to people. It's a it's not a terrible skill, but there is an art to it. And it is important to get it right. Because if you don't wrap your horse correctly, and you do wrap them, it's very easy to bow a tendon. Which is terrifying. Which is terrifying. You know, we invest so much into these horses, (laughs) and we're really just trying to do them a service, right? But it is like integral that we know what we're doing. Yeah, and you know, typically you're putting wraps on a horse to protect or to help their tendons in some way. So if you're going to do it, you should do it right and not have it end up having the opposite effect. Totally. Absolutely. So as a newer equestrian, I know there are lots of different ways that you can wrap horses' legs and different functions for those different types of wraps. Can you kind of break down like what the biggest ones are and what the benefit, or like at least the perceived benefit, because I know there's some controversy in the research about yeah, what benefits yeah, you actually get from wrapping. Absolutely. So I just want to say like there are even more wraps that I probably won't even remember because sure. there are different kinds and ways of wrapping different areas. Um, you know, so first of all, there is the traditional standing wrap, and that's what you think of when you think of wrapping a horse that either has been injured or is perhaps in a show overnight and they want to prevent stocking up. Do you know what stocking up is? I do because my horse struggles with it, and one of my horses <laughs> struggles with that. So stocking up is what is the layman's term or the horseman's term for a buildup of too much fluid and too much edema, um, which is edema is the buildup of too much fluid. So stocking up is a form of edema in horses um, in their legs. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's caused by a horse doing a hard run, um, and then they come in and they start to stock up. And we're going to dive into that more later. 
Um, then another type of wrap on the horse's legs is the polo wrap. And the polo wrap is traditionally used by dressage riders. That's where I see it the most common. Um, and that's a like thinner kind of bandage um, that you apply on the horse's legs for work. So standing wraps in a stall, polo wrap is for work. Then there is also something called a tail wrap that is more used for shows um, that we're not really going to get into here because it doesn't have a medicinal benefit. There are also hoof wraps. Hoof wraps are incredibly interesting. You know, you can do a hoof wrap with an espumsol uh, pack or a poultice to help a horse with sore hooves or to help a horse with an abscess. There are also different ways of wrapping um, different areas of the horse. So, for example, there's a figure eight bandage. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to wrap over a joint, such as the knee, mm -hmm. um, basically, you know, you essentially wrap in a figure eight so that you allow for some joint action. But yeah. if you want compression over a joint, there's also a spider bandage that's most commonly used on a hawk. And... Both of those wraps, but especially the spider bandage, I have basically never actually seen in the real world. It's something we're, we're forced, I say lovingly, to learn in Pony Club. And it is honestly like a useful skill to have, don't get me wrong, but basically no one uses them because they are hard to use. Finally, there are different kinds of wraps that you can do for different kinds of injuries. Um, you know, for example, I've seen um, some vets will apply uh, like cotton roll and then apply vet wrap on top mm -hmm. um, or do another uh, kind of setup that's unique to that injury. You know, like they might put like nonstick gauze under right. a thin layer of vet wrap. You know, they might do something along those lines. You know, there are all different kinds of ways you can fashion a wrap to protect for an injury. But really what we're going to focus on today are the two most common, um, which are standing wraps and polo wraps. And if we have time at the end, we can get into a little bit of hoof wraps as well. I would say the standing wraps and the polo wraps are the ones that I've seen the most. So that makes sense that we'll use them pretty widely for their therapeutic effect. Um, well, and I don't know why I just put air quotes on that, but I yeah. would love to hear more of the research behind like how they actually work and what the benefits are. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where we start to get into kind of like a little bit more almost controversy and we get into a little bit more of like some common misconceptions. So one of the most common misconceptions I see are that people think that wraps support tendons. Um, and I just am here to say like loud and proud, it's not physically possible for a little piece of fabric to possibly offload the weight of the horse against the stress of the tendons. So the word support, you know, some people use the term support in the sense of like wrap support horses in terms of like, you know, you can provide support to an area such as like, I'm helping support my horse's healing journey by adding a supplement. Right. Right. And that's a fair use of the word. So I'm sure. not just like attacking anyone who says, oh, wrap support horses legs. However, they don't, they are not like taking any pressure off of the tendons. And I do think that some people think that that's part of what they're doing, mm -hmm. um, especially when you cup the fetlock, when you wrap mm -hmm. the horse's leg. Um, there are so many pictures and videos of horses who have polo wraps applied and, you know, in extension or in, you know, a phase of the horse's gait. Pastern is almost uh, horizontal and the fetlock is still almost touching the ground, um, even with that polo wrap, because that polo wrap does not restrict movement. And if it was restricting movement, it would be too tight. Yeah. Um, so the implication of supporting the tendons from the weight of the horse which I think some people think that it's doing, that's just not possible. It's not right. possible to apply that in such a way that it's actually helping. And those the horse's tendons and ligaments are incredibly strong and incredibly capable of holding the horse. Um, however, what they are doing that's really beneficial is applying compression. So the same way you or I might use a compression sock, you know, a nice like tight sock on our calves to prevent our legs um, from like building up and getting edema, people apply these wraps to horses. However, um, there are a lot of potential negative effects of these wraps. So 
Um, there has been some research that has shown that um, wraps, both standing wraps and polo wraps, um, trap a lot of heat on the horse's legs. That makes sense. So to start with standing wraps, what so many people use standing wraps for is when a horse is inside overnight. Um, and basically what is super common with horses that are in a stall overnight is that they stock up. So do you have an idea of like what causes stocking up? From my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. it's just an, a buildup of lymph fluid that gets trapped in, in typically in the lower points of the horse's body. Yep. Great um, understanding. So yeah, stocking up um, is basically an, an edema um, in the lower leg, and an edema is essentially a collection of lymph and interstitial fluid. Do you know what lymph is? Oh, okay. So I actually don't know what specifically lymph is other than that it's um, a fluid that is separate from the bloodstream that tends to pool in different areas of the body. Awesome. So what is lymph? <laughs> yeah, you have a great understanding. Um, so basically lymph is this really fabulous underappreciated system in the body and maybe it's nerdy for me to be this excited about it but once you understand the lymph system you understand so much more about how horses and people recover and function with different injuries so i'm just going to briefly touch on it so yeah. try to rein me in if i get too excited oh, okay, great. <laughs> honestly the lymph system is kind of like the circulatory system sidekick hmm. um, so the circulatory system is the system of blood vessels and the heart in our okay. body and the cool thing about the circulatory system it runs throughout the body and it basically delivers um, red blood cells white blood cells oxygen you know it does all this awesome stuff for all of the tissues in our bodies and all of our organs so the fluid that is in our blood is called plasma and plasma basically goes in and out of our capillaries kind of like little sponges and delivers um, all these nice like nutrients and helpful things to our tissues um, but then unfortunately in the process of the circulatory system some stuff gets left behind mm -hmm. and then also a lot of waste products are throughout our body that the circulatory system kind of doesn't have like the bandwidth for. So then the lymph system goes through and collects all this stuff that the circulatory system didn't quite get. Um, and then also collects a bunch of waste products. But it also delivers something called lymphocytes, which are white blood cells that really help with infections and I believe injuries. So the lymph system is running around alongside the circulatory system. However, the lymph system does not have a heart. It doesn't have a giant pump that's forcing it to move through your body. Basically, the way the lymph moves is through movement or through compression or manual therapy. So that's where, um, unfortunately, if you have a horse that went out on a really hard ride and it did all these little micro injuries to its legs and to its tendons, the circulatory system is going to swoop down to those legs and tendons and want to bring all the good stuff to it. So, you know, the red blood cells, the white blood cells, you know, all this stuff that's going to be really good for it. It's going to want to swoop away all the waste products. But if you stand your horse in the stall and they aren't moving and they aren't able to basically move that lymph back up after it's been there to help the tendons repair, basically the, that lymph is going to get stuck down there. Right. So that's why it's super beneficial if you have a horse at a show and they don't have access to night turnout or if your horse can't have night turnout for whatever reason. That's why it's so beneficial after a hard ride to A, have a really nice long cool down period B, please, I mean, all of these things, the wraps are great, but it is really important to use movement above all else. And B, take your horse for a nice long hand, hand walk at night. But C, that's where that standing wrap comes in to apply compression and to basically aid the circulatory and lymph system to allow that fluid to go back up to the body. Because the final thing with horses and why stocking up is so common to them is that their legs are so low and so much farther away from the rest of their body. Right. And it makes sense. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because the legs are so exposed in terms of like musculature, you know, there's not a whole lot there's in nothing between. protecting them. There's yeah. nothing to also force it. You know, there's not like right. inherently a lot of muscle 
to push it back up. Right. Yeah, and that's why we see, you know, in humans, like, we do see some lymphedema, but it's a lot more common, for example, in, like, cancer patients who have literally had their lymph nodes removed. Right. Or it's common in, you know, diabetic patients who literally can't get off of their feet and they have really, like, poor circulation to their feet. So that's where standing wraps come in, and that's the benefit of standing wraps. And you know, we could dive into some other things such as pairing standing wraps with things. So, you know, a lot of people, like you mentioned um, off camera, will pair a standing wrap with a sweat. In my experience as a horse person, that is super effective at getting edema out of legs. You know, if you have a really bad situation of a horse with like, for example, cellulitis. Right. Um, cellulitis is another example of lymphedema. And I'm saying lymphedema, like there is lymphedema. Um, I'm kind of using that word lightly because it's literally lymph and edema. Um, but like there's diagnosed the disorder lymphedema that can indicate like a horse's leg the size of like an elephant leg. So I'm not just mentioning, you know, I think horse people use lymphedema as like this horrible, horrible thing, um, which I'm just mentioning kind of, I'm kind of using those terms interchangeably and I probably shouldn't. I just want to clarify, you know, so If a horse gets a little bit of edema in their legs, you know, and they get something super out of control, it can end up being something called like lymphedema or cellulitis. And that can happen because basically they're getting a little bit of a bacterial or fungal infection into their um, skin and their legs. And so what the lymph system really likes to do is to protect against infections and to to protect against germs. What the lymph is really good at is whisking away germs. And that's why, for example, when you were a little kid and you got sick, you got strep throat or a cold, that's why the glands, your lymph nodes under your throat get really swollen because they're trying to clear that out. So the benefit of a standing wrap, to kind of parrot this back to you, is that we're putting compression on the leg to help the circulatory system and the lymph system push that lymph back up through the body yes, and work better, right? Like deliver the lymph where it's needed in the body more so than puddling in the legs. Yes. So that all seems really above board and beneficial for your horses, especially if you don't have your turnout options, like you said, because I know turnout can help. Movement will force that lymph back up as well. But I know there have been studies that you know, caution against standing wraps for too long because of the amount of heat it applies to legs. So I'm curious to hear like more about why that is and like what is the controversy of using a standing wrap. Right. So, oh my gosh, there are so many reasons why as amazing as standing wraps are for so many reasons, there are also an equal number of reasons why someone shouldn't use a standing wrap. And here goes the controversy. And here goes why this is an exciting episode to me because I love to talk about nuance. So first things first, if you do not know how to wrap your horse, do not use a standing wrap. You are going to do infinitely more damage than some edema will, in my opinion. That being said, do whatever your vet tells you to. Like if your horse's leg is crazy and you don't have a ton of experience wrapping, but your vet gives you a quick lesson and it is like, you can do this, you're gonna be fine, your horse really needs compression, obviously please listen to your vet. But in general, don't just throw a standing wrap after watching like one video and then call it good because you think that it might help your horse a little bit. For example, what are some common ways that people might wrap wrong? Like, is it mostly the danger of wrapping too tightly and cutting off circulation to the tendons in the legs? So what I actually see more common is people wrap too loosely and then the wrap falls off and gets basically tangled in the horse's legs or the wrap starts to slide around and then applies super uneven pressure to the tendons and causes a bow. So very occasionally, yes, some people wrap too tight, but in general, people in the horse world I've seen, even experienced ones, wrap too loose. And then there are a lot of other dangers, you know, like for example, I was just in a barn the other day and I saw a girl standing wrap her horse backwards. So basically she was putting all the pressure across the tendons instead of the bones. Oh. Um, so you always want to wrap a horse. So that the wrap is coming around outward, correct? If you're wrapping a left leg, it's counterclockwise. If you're wrapping a right leg, it's clockwise. The way that I, as a newbie, have, yeah. I, I always like to caveat this. Like, I get so anxious about doing oh, this. Of course, I have, yeah. I have, like, someone watch me to yeah, make sure. No, you should. Um, yeah, no, you should. Like, as much hand-holding as you can get in the wrapping process, the better. The caveat to that is not all professionals know how to wrap. I mean, I walk into barns and I see some professionals I really like do a really bad job of wrapping. And I'm not like, and that I feel like is adding a whole new 
another layer of anxiety to you because, or not even you, but like maybe newbie rappers in general. Well, I think this is like really incredibly valuable for someone who's maybe new to this or is seeing this in a new way because no one has ever explained it to me that way. That if you rap in the wrong direction, you're putting pressure on the tendons and not the bone and pulling off of that, which totally right. makes sense. And I don't know why no one has ever explained it to me that way, to be So they just honest. told you to wrap it that way? They yeah, didn't explain just, why? No, they oh. just, you always wrap, like, from You always wrapped out. from... From the inside out. From the inside out, yes. yes. However, I think some people can easily just flip it the wrong way. Well, and it's yeah. also very easy to, like, get confused. Oh, it's so easy. I mean, I, the number of times I wrapped a horse background and, and then had my best friend, you know, as I was growing up, Taylor, be like, no, no, no. <laughs> no she's, like, taking off the wrap. She's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she's like, this kid will never learn. <laughs> also, it's like when you're first starting, if your horse is wiggly or, Oh, my gosh. You know. Yeah, to, like, hold it. And, you know, to me, it's a little bit like golf at this point. Like, I've gotten good at it. So, like... Like when you do a really nice rap, it's so satisfying, but it's hard to learn. It's kind of overwhelming, you know, but we were talking a little bit about things you can do with wraps. Right. Um, you know, another thing people like to do with wraps is liniment, um, mm-hmm. which I think could be a liniment is a whole nother episode that I would like to talk about at some point, because liniment is also one of those things that I think has a lot of misconception. I basically think a lot of people think liniment does more than it does. Liniment's a pretty simple technology. But anyways, liniment is not a bad thing to pair with a standing wrap. Um, You know, there are also some things like some people will apply poultice with a standing wrap. Right. Um, You know, all pretty decent things that have, you know, various drawing um, or circulatory mild benefits, you know, mild to better benefits, depending on how you use them. Definitely, especially if you're using a furozone sweat, do it under the guidance of a very good Um, horse person or vet because that's kind of more serious stuff to get into and please apply furazone with gloves i don't know who needs to hear this it's cancer causing oh my god don't don't look at me like that (laughs) i've always applied furazone straight from the bottom with my hand um no as do does like 80 year old trainer who i you know oh my life to several times over but please we're both gonna get cancer please (laughs) apply it with gloves it's so bad furazone is so toxic there's a reason it looks toxic it does it looks like nuclear waste and it like i don't know what all is in furazone that is so toxic but no furazone is super toxic okay so then i'm gonna ask this question if it's so toxic why are we putting it on our horses horses do not develop cancer the way we do i mean a lot of the this is getting into a total aside i've asked the question to many vets before like hey can you inject my ankle really quickly you know with like you know uh steroids and um you know stuff like that and a lot of the things we do to horses uh, like are like have really bad stuff in them but basically horses don't quite get cancer as quickly as we do so they won't inject your ankle really quick no, they, they won't just give me a little steroid. Um, but, you know, that's another good question. Why are we using that sweat on horses when it's very, very bad for us? It goes back to, like, why are we spraying them with fly spray? That's incredibly toxic well, that's as well. that's my next question is that um, a lot of fly sprays are like, don't be anywhere near it. If you get it on your skin, go shower immediately. Like- but there's a level of, like, you know, if your horse has cellulitis or lymphedema and you really have to get the swelling out and the sweat is the only option, it's probably the right thing to do. You know, I know, like, quite a few people who just, like, throw furazone on, like, everything. Yeah. I'm not doubting it helps stuff, but, like, I don't think that that's what that should be being used for. I guess I... But also, I was not raised in a barn where that was a thing. Like, I have experience using, I have used before, but I've never been in an environment where people have really used it huh consistently actually didn't know until very recently that it was a heat drawing salve i thought it was like neosporin for horses which triple antibiotic for everyone else you should just use triple antibiotic or actually don't use anything at all or use petroleum instead of neosporin there's a lot of research coming out recently on humans not horses basically that the antibiotic is doing more harm than good because it's killing the good bacteria that helps with healing so for most like mild wounds it's actually a lot better to just use a little bit of petroleum jelly and actually, now that you're saying that, um, a vet once recommended to me, unless this help, in case this anyone helps anybody else, but she, my horse cut her foot open pretty badly, and she had me put honey 
I think honey is great. No, I've had a lot of vets recommend that to me as well. I actually use honey on like my skin and it really helps my acne. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. Honey is like one of the seven wonders of the world. Honey is magical. And it was, it really helped her heal so much better. Yeah. Well, and honey, because honey has a lot of great things about it. Honey has very mild antibacterial qualities. It also has B propolis, which has been proven to help with healing. Um, And then additionally, it has uh, glucose in it via the sugar. And glycolic acid um, and sugar crystals have basically been proven to be really good healing agents. So an old horseman trick is to actually just put white sugar on wounds and it really helps them heal. And I just want to put all this out there. This is also, I am not a vet. Like, please, (laughs) Maya is not a vet. Maya is not, like, if you go and do this and your horse's legs fall off, I'm not liable to that. And if you're a vet listening to this and you're like, Maya, please stop. Please feel free to send me an email and, you know, please come on the podcast and tell me what things are things are better than sugar and honey to put on your horse's cuts i'm sure that there are better things out there but i digress yes so are we done with the standing wrap conversation oh yeah no my god we haven't even gotten to the standing wrap conversation we really need to talk about the controversies okay so here's the real controversy of standing wrap the heat ali if you hadn't met me six months ago what have you heard about this so so to give you my background i have an arabian horse she stocks up when we go to shows so at shows i always have this feeling of do i wrap my horse's legs or do i not because what i have heard is that if you wrap them for too long and they get too hot that it can cause cell death in the tendons and ultimately when you take them out and start to ride them you have just made those tendons weaker and are putting yourself in a position to injure your horse Is that more or less? Yeah, that is like the overarching like kind of theme and takeaway. There are a lot of caveats to that. And that's why I have a podcast because there's nuance to everything. And I don't want to give any of you an easy answer. (laughs) You know, everyone asks me, hey, wraps or no wraps? And I'm like, let me talk to you about this for an hour. And they're like, I feel more confused. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is. It's kind of like this situation where I feel like I like I don't want to hurt my horse, but I also want to help her. And I know that she stocks up in the stall. Yes. So I want to prevent that if we can yes but you also you know um, but i also don't like, want to oh like God. bow her yeah. te- you know or like do something crazy <laughs> to her i love her so. right so there are two research articles that a lot of people have referenced and one of them that i will reference in the show notes of the podcast is basically they showed that a certain amount of heat causes tendon cell death in a petri dish So the caveat to that is, A, it's in a Petri dish. So these studies have been done on cadaver horses. B, um, the amount of heat, my understanding, was pretty high. Um, And C, we aren't totally sure how this is, like, directly going to relate to when horses have wraps and boots. So then this big study that everyone references and everyone talks about is basically... Uh, It was done on six horses, and I have it in front of me, so I will both link it in the show notes, but I will also tell you right now, it is a comparison among equine boots and leg wraps on leg surface temperature during and after exercise by Brock and Spooner. It was from the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science in 2021. So basically, um, a few different boots were used, a neoprene boot, a perforated neoprene boot, an alternative neoprene boot, a cross-country boot, a combination of fleeced and elastic wraps, and a polo wrap. And they were done on six different horses. Um, They were exercised for, it looks like, three hours. And there were recordings every 20 minutes. It looks like it was done on six horses. Um, There was a boot or bandage on one forelimb and the other forelimb was bare to serve as a control. And then basically a temperature reading device was placed um, on the middle of the tendons. And what was found was that the, what is to me kind of common sense knowledge, um, basically the bare limb temperature was lowest, which was about 81 degrees Fahrenheit, and then peaked and then plateaued during recovery. So basically what that means is that um, as the horse exercised, Um, It slowly went up, and then after it stopped exercising, it actually went up a little bit more, and then it came back down. 
um, and plateaued. Then um, the boot and wrapped limb went from around 90 degrees Fahrenheit at the start of the exercise and then to 97 degrees Fahrenheit at 15 minutes. So that means it was about 20 degrees hotter mm-hmm. than um, the bare boot. So basically, then it also had the finding that all the boot and wrapped limbs had a much higher temperature all times compared to the bare limb. And finally, the polo wrap was the very hottest um, than the alternative of the neoprene boots. But the all boots had pretty similar findings. So the very hottest and the most humid was the polo wrap. So all of that's kind of a leading question as to like, at what temperature does cell death start in the tendons? Like, what should we be avoiding in terms of heat? So this is where some of the controversy starts. And that's because this study that we all like to reference, basically showing that legs get super hot within the boots and within the wraps, only show them going up to about 97 degrees Fahrenheit, which isn't only, it's still quite hot um, compared to around 80 degrees Fahrenheit um, without the leg. However, the studies that we found that actually document the tendon cell death in horses, that tendon cell death occurred between 109 and 119 degrees Fahrenheit. So in theory, even with a boot and a wrap, the um, so in theory, even with a boot and a wrap being quite high, it isn't actually getting to the point where tendon cell death is occurring. Now, the caveat, because there's always a caveat to that, is that this was a very small study. Um, You know, there isn't a lot of money allocated to equine research studies, especially when it comes to performance horses um, versus um, race horses, for example. Um, You know, so this study that we all like to reference um, about boots and wraps was only done on six horses. And what it looks like is that it was only done with about 15 minutes of work at a time. So A, we don't know what this, how this translates to a horse that's working for more like 45 minutes or an hour. I don't actually see how hot it was on the day that they were doing the research. I'm just going to pull it up again to see if I can. Yeah, that, that was my other question because I think it is important to talk about like regardless of what the starting temperature was there, you know, in Texas where I'm from, it is, you know, if, if, if it's a hundred degrees outside and some people do choose to ride when it is that hot in covered arenas or what have you, it's going to be a lot easier if you put a polo wrap or a um, neoprene boot on your horse for them, for their leg to get up in temperature. Right. I was like common sense wise assume that yeah i totally agree with you and you know and it's for that reason that i get i feel more neutral about using wraps um and boots during work um in the fall and winter where i live versus the summer in the summer i get pretty adamantly against it you know And actually to have a whole nother conversation and this conversation wasn't even supposed to be about boots, but like, for example, I just think the concept of pulling an elastic against a tendon to secure it against a horse's leg is a terrible idea. Like I think the pressure of the elastic holding a boot onto horse's leg, there's no way that that isn't creating a pressure point that's creating more friction in the tendon of the horse's legs. And no one wants to have that conversation. (laughs) See, that's fascinating, too, because I would have assumed the neoprene boot, which I have used on my horses. um, And in some, like, I ride in a drill team, and it's a requirement that we actually use boots when we ride. Right. I mean, and and it's easier to not mess up, right, because you are just Velcroing. And you are going in the same direction, though. You're wrapping to the outside. No, you're wrapping to the outside, and you're pulling against, you're in theory pulling against the bone. But I, in most of those elastics, so there's a difference between there are a lot of boots out there that are just a piece of fabric with Velcro that you attach. So there isn't elastic energy with that. There's more just like compressive therapy that is still uneven. I do want to like make the point that pressure is uneven. But what I think is the worst offender is the elastic boots. So I personally would not use an elastic boots. And, you know, we are a sum of our experience. And my horse has my heart horse, Wesley, actually got a very bad tendon bow from an old pair of elastic dressage boots Mm. um that like you know because the thing is is when you're securing those they do 
come across the tendon a little bit, even though they're technically pulling against the bone. But, you know, what all of this goes back to is the fact that you have to make the best choice for you and your horse. So, for example, would I ever ride in a drill team without boots? Probably not. Would I take my very sane dressage horse out in boots? Yes, I would. Would I go gallop cross country without boots? No, I would not. And that's when you weigh the short-term acute risks of your horse getting hit by a fence, by another horse, by whatever, with the long-term negative effects of potential heat. The answer to the question really is you have to assess it on a case-by-case basis. and You do. And that's why like, I want to present this information with people and break it down so that they're empowered to make their own decision. Because I don't know you or your horse. If you're, so all that is to say, if you're uncomfortable applying a standing wrap or you're not sure if the risks outweigh the benefits, are there other options people can use that kind of get the same point across without maybe overheating the legs? There are, and this is where um, I would like to introduce the idea of the compression sleeves for horses. And as always, I have a caveat, which is I have not tested any of these myself. I think it's just the kind of crotchety old pony clubber in me that wants to do standing wraps because I have this skill and I want to use it. But actually, um, compression wraps, uh, so they basically have made these compression socks for horses. So it's like the compression socks that you or I or any nurse um, would wear, um, except you cut off a hole and it's made for a horse. And I think that they're probably made a lot more durable for horses, but basically it ha- it provides a really elegant solution to the standing wrap problem because it's extremely hard to mess up for a newbie because you basically just slide it over the foot. Um, and apply it to the tendons. The nice thing is it's very breathable. Um, And honestly, I would assume it's also a lot harder for the horse to mess up. You know, the hard thing about standing wraps is a lot of people are scared to wrap them too tight because they don't want to bow a tendon and then they in turn wrap it too loose. And then as the horse moves around, um, it falls down and the horse can either get a little bit tangled in it or it can get bunched up and a bunch of the pressure can become applied unevenly. Um, And it's just way faster. I mean, it takes me, the perfectionist I am, even though I'm pretty experienced, at least 20 minutes to wrap four standing wraps at best. I believe Um, it. As I I can imagine, putting on four of those compression sleeves probably takes five minutes. Right. The caveat as always to those is that I would assume that the elastic may at times wear unevenly. You know, so with anything, if you're applying elastic pressure instead of directly to the horse's legs instead of through um, a bandage. You know, that's why we use a standing wrap because it kind of distributes any uneven pressure in the track wrap, which is what goes over it. You know, because there isn't anything between that pressure and the horse's legs, I would just watch those wraps super carefully and make sure that, for example, the um, wrap isn't getting worn unevenly and is then distributing pressure unevenly. And the other thing with those is in an extreme case like cellulitis, you know, real lymphedema, lymphangitis, you obviously can't use those. I would, at least I would assume with the ones I know, I would assume that those wraps are just not going to fit properly with that situation. And of course, before you use anything like this, please check with your vet and make sure it's appropriate. So that said, do we want to move on to polo wraps in the study that we were teeing up? Absolutely. So I love to talk about a study. I love to read a study. I love to read between the lines in a study. And I love to poke holes in a study because I think that what is so wonderful about the world we live in is that we're all incredibly interested in research and science. I think occasionally we put too much emphasis on whatever new piece of research exists without actually reading that research for ourselves um, and kind of considering the potential flaws in the study. Because research can very often not tell the whole story when it comes to whatever it's studying. So This study on boots and wraps that is called a comparison among equine boots and leg wraps on leg surface temperature during and after exercise um, was done on six horses. Six is an extremely small group. um, And the control that they used was um, the other horse's leg. 
So this study really is only looking at horses when they're in motion or working. So yes. this is very opposite of what we were just talking about. So the polo wraps really are only used when you're working. exercising your horse. Right. So, you know, standing wraps... I personally do not worry as much about trapping heat on horses' legs. That being said, there hasn't been, as far as I know, research on it. The nice thing is that because the horse isn't moving and there isn't friction um, and like heat being generated from movement, I'm a little bit less worried about that heat being trapped. So I always have a little bit more trepidation around wrapping horses, even standing wraps in the summer, especially in a hot climate where you live, such as Texas. Where I live in eastern Pennsylvania, it's incredibly mild all around the year, but I really would probably have no qualms against putting standing wraps on a horse in the fall and winter and possibly even polo wraps. You know, if you live in a hot climate, I would caution a lot more against using wraps in general because they trap so much heat and because baseline the tendons are going to be a lot hotter and the reason why we are avoiding this heat in general is in theory the tendon cell death but as we discussed before we're not even totally sure that the legs covered by the wraps are actually getting to the point of being at tendon cell death because the previous study suggested that it happened around 109 to 119 Fahrenheit. Um, and the study that we're talking about now um, that found how hot horses' legs were with boots, um, they didn't say how hot it was on the day that they did the study, but they said that it got around um, a little bit under 100 degrees Fahrenheit, even at the hottest one. However, the other interesting thing about this study is that even the booted, wrapped, or totally bare limb, none of them returned to baseline temperature within three hours wow. after exercise. So that um, brings up a whole nother slew of questions when it comes to using ice on your horse's legs after exercise. But again, we have to question, is heat actually bad? Well, and I think that's a great point, and there's so much controversy about yeah. heat and ice that I know we want to get into in another episode. But it is interesting to know that regardless of whether or not you're wrapping your legs, that you should be aware that your horse's leg temperature is not going to naturally come down right. by itself after a workout. It will eventually, but it takes a long time. Right. right. It right. takes more than three hours, which seems kind of insane. Right. However... Heat is not bad inherently. You know, heat is actually really good for circulation and for um, lymph flow. You know, so we just talked about how wraps prevent edema and how, you know, as equestrians, we're constantly trying to avoid horses stocking up. Well, have you ever noticed that your horse's legs tend to stock up a little bit worse in the winter? And probably not you because you're in Texas, <laughs> but for the rest of us, <laughs> um, you know, when circulation is worse, we're going to run into these problems of arthritis, um, you know, and circulation issues even worse. Right. So again, I'm just making this more complicated for you because I love to do that. I love to just present <laughs> you guys with more information that kind of makes your head spin because that's where my head is all the time. And I just want to share this. <laughs> well, it's, it's helpful to make an assessment. It's like when the risk outweighs the benefit, because to my understanding, the benefit of polo wraps, which I don't think we've, we've talked around. Yeah, but I don't sorry, know we, keep, like, we keep just like skirting the actual well, topic there, of the podcast. To be fair, there is like a yeah. lot of different angles to this that are and, pretty and, fascinating. It's like, I can't just stay on one topic I have to like you know I'm one of those storytellers like if you ask me like oh Maya how did you meet your boyfriend and I'll be like well it started when I was like I can't just give you like the like oh we met in middle school and then we start and then we reconnected like later in life but like case in point y'all she just jumped from her from <laughs> to how she met her boyfriend in middle school um, which we can totally have that conversation later <laughs> to go back to polar wraps just for a second well, shout out to the people who did this study in the first place because I, I want to make clear I'm not poking holes in the people who did this study because anyone who does research on horses I'm immensely grateful for. I think that we need it so badly and I think that this study brought to light so many questions um, and it brought to light the fact that we kind of are using these boots and wraps without any real thoughts as to what's actually happening underneath them. Um, so just to be clear I'm not poking holes in the fact that this study exists 
twists or the conclusions to it. I'm poking holes in the fact that we're taking this one study that exists and we're blowing it into this huge, like totally, like we're making these sweeping pendulum changes. And I think that there's something to be considered there. Well, totally. And I think this is something we've talked about before um, off camera. It's like, it's really easy on social media or even in the real world to say, I saw online that wraps are bad for your horse's legs. And that's like not a nuanced enough explanation. Right. Or like to say that heat is bad for your horse's legs is not like a nuanced enough explanation right. to really like um, make an educated choice on whether or not you should use wraps. Right. Right. And like the benefit of polo wraps, <laughs> from what I understand, <laughs> Allie is reining me back in. <laughs> is that, you know, you're protecting your horse's legs from external things that might damage them when you're in, you know, cross country or right. su- in a rodeo, like in situations where it's right. more likely that you're going to encounter trauma. Right. Um, and so the moral of that story is just like weigh the risk against the benefit. Right. Um, and weigh, like you do know your horse better than anyone else. Like, for example, my heart horse was super base wide up front and behind so he literally i mean i these seven years i had him i think i put boots on him the first year or two because everyone else did and then i was like you know what like he got that tendon bow from that boot i told you about and i just threw the boots away and i never put boots on him again and i had him another at least five years he never interfered once and he was like he did stupid stuff like he would take off bucking he never hit himself like he was super aware of who he was you know i have friends who like their horses live in boots. Their horses get turned out in boots. And that is the best choice for that horse because that horse hits itself constantly. Regardless, let's get back to polo yes. wraps. And so I think <laughs> about the study in polo wraps and using wraps on your horses in during exercise. I think it is very admirable that they did this. But in inherently in creating a study, I think it raises a lot more questions. Yeah. Like what is the optimal temperature of a horse's yeah. leg. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I want to know. Like, yeah. I would like to know too. Well, I am actually a pretty pro heat person. Fascia, circulatory system, lymph, love heat. They love heat. They want to be warm. They're more fluid. Like, synovial fluid loves heat. Right. Movement and heat go together. Right. Ice cools and slows everything down and constricts it. Ice is really good when the body is super inflamed. Like, so ice does take down some level of inflammation. But here's the caveat is that inflammation exists for a reason. Inflammation is actually good to a certain point. The question is what point? And no one f***ing knows. And that's the thing about science. And that's the thing about, like, biology. And that's why, like, I just want to talk about this all the time because it's so interesting to me. I mean, it is fascinating that there is – because then, you know, we don't need to do a heat and ice episode right this second. But it is, like – there, I feel like there's more fear-mongering about these things than there are, like, benefits talked about, which is right. also kind of wild. Like, Yeah. No, I actually, I would venture to say, and again, we can't get into this right now. <laughs> we have to actually talk about polos. But I would say that most equestrians are doing more damage to their horse with ice than they are serving a benefit. And that's where we're going to leave that. And we're going to jump back into polo so that you guys come back for the heat and ice episode. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So polo wraps. Polo wraps. So polo wraps have a really, uh, the one place I would say that polo wraps could be beneficial is if you have a horse that has to be inside, you know, and they are prone to stocking up and you use, you apply polo wraps to basically um, help them disperse that edema as they move during the ride. So, you know, I have some clients who have horses that get really stocked up because of previous injuries or just being a little bit older and their lymph system not working quite as well. And they are inside a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. And they apply polo wraps and it helps really well move lymph out of that leg. Um, during the ride and then they put the horse back in and they don't have to like apply a standing wrap you know I do wonder like I don't think any of those people as far as I know have done a control in terms of like wrapping one leg and not not wrapping the other and then seeing how the edema is different because probably the movement would do a very good job of getting that mild edema out of the horse's legs on its own. So really, again, I kind of think polo wraps 
just don't really serve a purpose other than looking pretty, which they are very, very pretty. I love a good polo wrap. I have a pair of white polo wraps. I love polo wrapping a dressage horse. It looks very attractive. I don't think it's actually helping my horse with anything. And I don't also think it's doing a super good job of protecting their legs legs because it's a piece of fabric. Yeah. And it's also trapping a lot of heat. And it's also very possible to mess it up. So, like, overall, polo wrap's, like, not the best thing in the world. Well, but I love that, that, that is a little bit more definitive than what the conclusion we yeah. came to on standing wraps, which I appreciate. Right. You know, and I do think, like, extreme sports, you know, there's there's more of a benefit to using either a polo wrap or some kind of boot. Or I would say any extreme sport, polo wraps are too dangerous because, oh, really? A most people don't wrap that well. So, you know, if your horse is running around, you know, it's very possible you've put uneven pressure on their tendons and or you've wrapped too loose and then it can come loose and your horse can get tangled. It, polo wraps do also do not protect as well as boots. Polo wraps also trap more heat than boots. So I would say if you're reaching for leg protection, skip the polo wrap, just go do a well-ventilated boot. I love that. And I'm not sponsored by any means. I just like the research behind it. I think that Magic Equip has a pretty good boot selection. Um, I think None Finer also has a pretty good boot selection. You know, those two brands I know of um, that I personally have had pretty good experience with. Yeah, I I mean, there are a lot of good ones out there. I mean, Professional's Choice, I think, also has a pretty good boot. I mean, there are a lot of really good ventilated boots out there. I would say, like, look for what is as ventilated as possible, avoid neoprene because neoprene um, traps so much heat. I would go for some of the more advanced technologies that don't trap quite as much heat that some of these other companies employ. I would always reach for a boot over a polo wrap unless you just want to look like a dressage queen and that's okay. I mean, don't, don't we all want to look like dressage queens sometimes? Sometimes. We all love a matchy-matchy outfit. We do love a good matchy-matchy outfit. I'm going to reset us here a little bit. Um, we have been talking about liniment a little bit. We've used the word liniment, and we've used the word poultice. And, and I, we've mentioned sweats. And we've mentioned sweats. Yeah. And I, as um, a new equestrian, am a little bit unfamiliar about – I'm not – quite up to date on what the difference is between a liniment and a poultice and how to use both of those things effectively. Yeah, so typically a liniment is more water or even um, like gel uh, based, whereas a poultice tends to be more clay based. So poultices, um, and just to put it out there, poultices are very rarely used anymore. Like I haven't seen someone use a poultice outside of the racetrack in ages. And I only have ever seen like maybe one or two people use poultices. It's very much so like an older horseman thing to do these days, um, just because so many people are kind of using other therapies. Partially, I think it's kind of just come out of style. You know, I also think that a lot of people basically feel like ice does the same thing and they'll just use, there's so many really convenient ice wraps that people will just use an ice wrap instead, you know, and cause poultice is really messy. Like a lot of people just, you know, they apply the clay, they apply the newspaper, they have to, then they wrap it and then they unwrap it and then they have to wash it off. And it's just like an incredibly arduous process basically. So a poultice tends to be like this clay base and you apply it to the horse's legs. And the theory is that it's a drawing salve. So basically you're, so the theory is that it's drawing out inflammation and sweating. So basically the, in the process of that clay drying, it's drawing out the swelling and some of the extra like fluid. It's typically work used on really hardworking horses like race horses and event horses. I haven't seen it a lot in most other contexts. Um, and then oftentimes people will layer it under wraps. However, if you're going to use poultice under wraps, they have to be really breathable to allow that um, drying process to happen. And I personally kind of feel like most standing wraps are too thick to really allow the poultice to actually dry. So I would say what most people used to do on cross country day is they would they would like ice and then they would poultice apply the paper over top of the poultice, walk the horse, stand the horse, whatever, take off the poultice, wash it off, and then they would do the standing wrap with liniment. If they if they want to like stack a million therapies, basically. Most gotcha. people just do like one or two, but if you wanted to do everything for your horse. 
Now, I wanted to see if there was actually any research into the theory that this clay draws out inflammation and edema. Um, and I couldn't find any research on it. I couldn't find any research that any sort of poultice helps at all. I also couldn't find any research or from my understanding and my limited knowledge of science, I couldn't find any science basically proving that clay draws inflammation or swelling out of an area. I just am not totally sure how that would work basically. And the one piece of research I could find um, was a study showing that a flaxseed poultice, um, which is not something we use on horses, was more effective at treating osteoarthritis pain than heat. However, I do not know what was in that poultice. I do not know how it was applied and I don't know for how long or how often. Right. Um, the study was not super clear. So, and I will link that in the show notes. Um, so. Poultice. Poultice. Crazy. And then, so liniment. Yes. So liniment is typically more water-based. And liniment is actually a lot of the time has alcohol or menthol in it. Okay. Um, and then the issue with liniment is that liniment really depends and its efficacy is really going to depend depend on obviously its ingredients but ingredients of liniment vastly vary between brands so for example there are some brands that have just like menthol and it gives you that super icy feeling um that some people that is super polarizing some people love it like some people for example the human form that a lot of like human massage therapists I know use is biofreeze. I personally can't stand the way that stuff feels on me. A lot of people really love it and they get a lot of benefit from it. You know, I also know more natural liniments that include stuff like Arnica and they include stuff like certain kinds of essential oils um, or any other like more like kind of holistic herby sort of benefits. And again, that stuff seems like a great idea. Um, I, again, I haven't seen a lot of research on it. And because every liniment is individual and none of the liniment I know of in the horse world actually has research, um, I can't really speak to if it's actually effective. The theory behind liniment is that it's improving circulation to the area. So that's why a lot of people will apply it to the lower legs and then wrap a horse with a standing wrap because the idea is that you're increasing circulation um, at the same time that you're wrapping the horse. So basically it's helping push all of that edema up and then increase the circulation in the healing process. Mm, Makes sense. You know, the other thing about liniment, and we're going to get into a little Maya theory. (laughs) We're not even getting into a Maya theory. Actually, I'm just going to blow your mind. (laughs) And here's why liniment can possibly work on some things. And this is also why massage is really important. And this is called the pain gate control theory. The pain gate control theory? It is... Bro, I'm going to blow your mind. This is like the lymph system. Like, so cool. You guys probably don't think it's as cool as I do. It's so cool. So the pain gate control theory. So did you ever fall off your bike as a kid? Yeah. So what was the first thing you did when you fell off your bike? You went to hold your knee, right? Maybe. Okay, I'm telling you. (laughs) You... I think I probably braced myself for the fall. That's okay. Well, but like you, after you fell off, you're sitting on your butt, you're crying. You're probably like sitting and like holding your knee. Probably. Or let's say you got like kicked by a horse in the thigh. You're probably like kind of holding the area around it a little bit. That's because you're doing, you're actually utilizing the pain gate control theory. And this theory shows that basically your brain can only process one sensation at a time. It only has so much ability to process sensations. So basically, if certain sensors are going off like pain and you trigger other sensors such as pressure, like you're holding an area, or you trigger other pressures such as heat receptors Mm -hmm. or cold receptors, you're basically distracting your brain from pain. Right. And therefore you're perceiving less pain. 
And so that's where massage can come in at some level, because let's say that you're in a lot of pain and I come, let's say you have a migraine, I'm coming and I'm massaging your neck. Not only am I increasing circulation to the area and relaxing um, the soft tissue of your neck, I'm actually just physically distracting you from the pain of your migraine. Let's say your horse has a lot of pain in their back and because they have a lot of pain in their back, they're not willing to engage their core and they're not willing to reach over their back and then therefore strengthen those back muscles and and then they're in even more pain. Let's say you go in and massage and you use the pain gate control theory. So as you're applying the massage and you're applying the pressure, the horse is perceiving less pain. Mm -hmm. And then you're starting to break this cycle because then you're giving the muscle a chance to relax and increase circulation. And then hopefully after you've already massaged, there's less pain in the horse's back and they're better able to use their core, strengthen their back, and then overall they have less pain. Wow. So massage is super effective for this, but there are other things that can act on the pain gate control theory as well. And I actually think liniment at some level works on it. So I actually, personally, Maya's opinion, I hate liniment. I hate the way it feels. People put biofreeze on me. I want to scream and like run around. Like horses that get menthol like based liniments applied to them and then go bucking afterwards, I would be that horse because I just hate the way it feels. However, there are people who really like it. And I think it's because of this theory. I think that maybe it does have some mild circulatory benefits. It's not documented, so we don't really know if it does or not. But I think that what you can absolutely say is that it does have sensory benefits. Wow. So let's say a horse is in a huge amount of pain from a back injury or a hip injury you apply the liniment and basically it gives their brain and their sensor their senses something else to think about yeah something else to think about and so then they're less distracted and they move more evenly and overall the less of their body is having less of a compensatory pattern oh that's okay well first of all mind blown (laughs) (laughs) it's so interesting right but but yeah and that totally makes sense that like you know, and it is kind of like um, that trick people do, like you pinch like here. Oh yeah, like I think I totally think like acupuncture works like on pressure points. Pressure points really work on it as well. I think pressure points have other like nerve benefits as well and like fascial benefits as well. Um, but yeah, pain gate control theory. That is so crazy, and I feel like you you actually so this is like built into your work, and like you can tell me again if I'm wrong. Yeah. But like Maya was kind enough to work on my back the other night because I hold a lot of tension in my back and my neck, and I feel like some of the things you did were like hold one spot, you know, and you're pulling and stretching the muscles, obviously. Right. But I think putting that pressure in two different spots at the same time probably mm-hmm. keeps one spot from feeling overly sore over the other. Is that yeah? Like yeah, I think that that's also like a good like kind of like that's not as much like quite directly playing on the pain gate control theory, but I think that like the the sensory organ as well, like the sensory organ that is the human, um, and the horse. Wild. So. Wild. Liniment. Liniment. But the thing is, is like how effective is liniment actually at that? I don't know. And honestly, it depends on the liniment. And I can't tell you. Like I can't look at the ingredients of your liniment and say how your horse is going to react to it. I think liniment is one of those things that like we kind of do to make ourselves feel better. I don't really think it's actually benefiting that many horses just to like digress from everything I just said because I can't – I mean – I would say if you want to, let's say like you want to do different things to help your horse and your horse is in some muscular pain, liniment is probably not going to hurt if they're not. For sure. You know, some horses absolutely hate liniment and some horses hate the really strong liniments. I think, you know, for one thing you could do is sample different liniments yourself. And if they make you feel good, um, maybe that's an indication that they help your horse. That's a really fair point. And I also think it's worth pointing out that, like, liniment seems, it, at least to me, like kind of a quick slap-it-on Band-Aid to right. addressing maybe a larger issue that might be ongoing with it your is. animal. Yeah. And there are more effective ways to address that. Like massage. Like massage, yeah. yeah. Shameless plug for Maya. Shameless like plug mas- for Maya. <laughs> <laughs> like massage. But, and I think the other thing, too, is, like, if you're going to use a liniment, using it, like, once a week is probably probably not helping your horse get over pain. 
Right. So if you're, let's say your horse is going through a bout of really bad back soreness or whatever, or let's say they have like, and cause we're using it in the, we're talking about this in the context of standing wraps. Let's say you're using it because your horse was, you have an older horse who's a little bit sore after a hard day at work. So you're applying it and then you're applying the standing wrap because it might have a little bit of a circulatory benefit. It might be playing on the pain gate control theory. So it's distracting them from the pain that they might feel a little bit of arthritis in their lower leg. And then you're applying the standing wrap to kind of keep the liniment on there and to also um, apply compression. Um, you know, maybe applying that liniment to your horse's lower leg is allowing them to feel a little bit less um, sore and allowing them to move through their body a little bit more and overall just feel a little bit more comfortable. I love it. Which is great. That makes total sense. Yeah. So things we don't buck with. <laughs> so Limit. I don't buck, <laughs> buck with. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do not buck with. Oh, my God. So many things. That was kind of a joke, but like it seems like Maya personally does not buck with liniment. I don't know, man. I like, but that's the thing is like everyone wants me to just give them an answer. Like I don't, in general, like let's say this: I don't buck with menthol-based liniment. Great. Okay. I don't like that. It doesn't feel good to me. But let me even make let me even just like make that a little bit more complicated there was a I, the one piece of research i found on liniment was a menthol based topical cream they compared that with ice okay um and how it helped high performing athletes perform d- despite delayed onset muscle soreness and do you want to guess which came out better or worse ice versus liniment I'm going to bet that the ice came out better. No. Really? But that's really interesting. Yeah. And, but I'm, my guess, my theory on that is that it's not actually as much about the liniment being effective as it is the fact that ice has actually been proven to worsen the effects of delayed onset muscle soreness. Really? Yep. Oh. In multiple studies. Because delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS, is something we talk a lot about online. It is something we talk a lot about. It's super important to understand in ourselves as athletes and in horses as athletes. And right. ice makes it worse. Interesting. In our bodies. Which we don't use ice on most horses' bodies, but for yourself, please don't take an ice bath after you work out. It's going to make your whole life feel worse. But so many people I know go on like a five-mile run and then have like a water trough filled with ice and they come home and literally get in it. It's not only making their muscle soreness worse, it's actually decreasing the effectiveness of their workout. Wow. According to research. And the thing is, is research doesn't always paint the whole picture. That's so, true. you know, everything we're talking about might not be true in five or 10 years or even less. Like well, there might be more research that comes out, but you know, it's interesting to talk about in the meantime and try to <laughs> hack the best solution. All right. Cool. Well, what do you not buck with? What do I not buck with? You know, I don't I don't think in the future I'm going to buck with polo wraps. Like there just yeah. doesn't seem to be a whole lot of benefit to using them at least in my current situation. Um, and you know, for some of the more extreme things we do, I'll, you know, already am using more of a vented boot situation. So, so many of the people I know use polo wraps. Um, and I, now I'm wondering if it is more like for fashion, yeah, and the yeah. aesthetic of it, which is totally fine, and I don't want to pass judgment on any of those people um, because they really yeah. are cute. But it's just like they're really cute, and, and and they don't know. Like I don't think anyone who uses polo wraps really knows how much heat they're trapping, and kind of un- has quite this understanding of like this study that we do. Um, yeah. You know, I yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I just I wouldn't use them at this point in my life. Well, and it's probably like fine in most cases especially if you're only working your horse you know let's say 15 to 20 minutes right like it's not well and especially if you're doing it in the winter like i would say in texas i would not use polo wraps here in the fall and winter probably not doing much damage to your horse's legs right guess long story short i'm just not gonna buck with polo wraps awesome but so I, I feel very educated. Thank you for taking me through all the intricacies of this. Thank you for going on this journey with me. I know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Bucks Given. For more graphics, video explanations, and behind-the-scenes bites, give us a follow at No Bucks Given Podcast on Instagram. 
This episode was produced by myself and my wonderful co-editor, Allie Watson-Bain. Special thanks to our editor and sound mixer, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. My mission at Freely Forward Bodywork is to make equine massage accessible to any horse, no matter where you and your horse are in the world. If you're interested in learning more about my online catalog of courses designed to help you bond with your horse through the art of equine massage therapy, please check out the link in the show notes for more information. I'd love to teach you.